Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Inferno cast number 006. I, of course, am Inferno Fox. Uh, this is my and our YouTube channel here for all things video games and video gaming. And I wanted to go ahead and talk about childhood memories through video games, what games that we love, what that filled us with wonder as kids, and what give us nostalgia vibes now as adults. But before that, I want to go ahead and introduce my esteemed crew here. We have Jamie Owls. Jamie Owls, she is, of course, my partner in crime. Jamie Owls, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we have Simbu Darkfang. Simbu is, of course, our level five grandpa, and he is at the Basement of the Dead in Aurora, Illinois. That, again, is Basement of the Dead in Aurora, Illinois. Simbu, thank you again for joining us. Wait, who are you? Where's my oh, do you want us to get off your lawn? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, also joining us, we have Storm Rose Sky. You can find her at tw the Twitch and YouTube channels of Storm Rose Sky. And she, of course, has uploaded new content to her YouTube channel. The It's the, the 80s TV shows and sitcoms that are long forgotten. Storm, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, and hopefully I'll have another video up soon, but yeah, thank you. Excellent. We also have Jason the 13th. He has his YouTube channel of Jason the 13th for anything and everything great for Tears of the Kingdom, Forkknife, and Pokemon <laughs> gameplays. Jason, thank you for joining us. Not a problem. Happy to be here. And happy to have you. And finally, we have... Last but not least, we have Astromedes. He is, of course, one of the developers and co-owner for Second Place Games. Astromedes, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Inferno Fox. So I want to go ahead and before we jump into our main topic, I'm going to throw my crew here for a loop and just kind of ask what video games news of the last week or even last month or so has caught your attention? Uh, what 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 is sort of piquing your interest what is the, the the big soup du jour for video game news that, that has caught your eye and of course i'm going to put you on the spot jason <laughs> what sort of video game news has has got your interest uh, are, you, are you referring to the pokemon direct that's coming out because <laughs> other than that i'm not sure about other news i just am waiting for that pokemon direct now <laughs> and when, when is that direct is that the saturday um, i believe so okay i'm gonna say it's coming up soon i do know that so uh, how about you what kind of video game news are, are you are you looking forward to privy to um honestly i'm kind of excited with the fact that disney's speedstorm and dreamlight valley are both going to be uh coming free to play uh speedstorm is september 28th it's been as announced as a free to play um of course you can get founder packs now and get to play early and get some bonuses for that which of course i had to do that one um unfortunately dreamlight valley has not given its free to play date yet but again very interested and of course in the next couple of weeks we're going to texas chainsaw massacre goes live on august 18th Excellent. That's going to be some exciting times, and we'll definitely have some wonderful level five grandpa goodness to, to talk about. <laughs> and Inferno Fox, real quick, it's the 8th, so next Tuesday, a week from today. 
oh shnikes okay <laughs> dang how, yeah, it's funny because i i i think the last couple of them were on saturdays but the hey saturday tuesday it's all good mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. uh jamie owls any video game news catch your eye anything coming up I have not heard a whole lot, but what I've recently saw for The Sims 4, that now they have what's called the Horse Ranch, is another expansion pack to where you can own a farm with horses, so I thought that was really cool, and how much I love animals, so I can see myself wanting that, and play it for like hours, and then not play it for a few days because I go back and forth between the sims and playing other games nice excellent storm how about you what, what kind of video game news um other than you know I also agree on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre I need to get my pre-order in for that um mm-hmm. yeah because that, that, that's that. coming up quick yep yes, and it is. also um super mario rpg i mean in the last month or so that's been the biggest news that has made me excited for anything video game related outside of you know the texas chainsaw massacre but um yeah oh and you know the little glitch not glitch um because friday the 13th is going offline at the end of the year or whatever boohoo um or no longer supporting won't be available in the stores they made everyone level 150 and gave you all purple epic whatever um oh enhancements so that's kind of fun but that's about it nice very cool and of course astromedes what kind of video game news has has got you excited uh baldur's gate 3 comes out i want to say the third of this month so a couple days from recording here um and uh i've been kind of curious about i don't know that i'll necessarily buy it day one but i've heard a lot i think it's really interesting to see that kind of uh kind of long form computer 90s almost early 2000s rpg space have kind of a resurgence with these baldur's gate remasters and now new uh new iteration so i'm curious about that i'll have my eye on it yeah i uh i heard that there's like seventeen thousand possible endings which whether or not that is actually 100 percent true it does show the depth of writing. I, I think as a matter of fact, that quote, uh, I think that 17,000 number, I did read some article on it a little while ago. Uh, it mentioned that that's, that's describing the points on the web of like the story web. Like the article was about endings and narrative games and the Baldur's Gate dev was saying that they have, you know, 17,000 points on this story web. So basically it's like you start on the edge of the web and every decision you make, you know, drives you one junction along the web until you get to the end when there are some differences, but it's largely the same ending. And with good writing and planning it like a web, in theory, none of it would even have to feel forced if you're just smart about the way you kind of wrote the whole thing. So I thought that was really interesting. So I, I, I assume that's maybe that same number you referenced there, which obviously makes more sense dev wise. He said, you know, of course, this is way easier than doing, you know, the factorial of that number, which would be all those, you know, combinations. But uh, he said it still is, you still have to create a ton of content regardless, even just doing <laughs> that approach. But yeah, a- as you were saying, it speaks to the writing. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, for me, I, I would say 
uh, what's got me sort of excited, of course, beyond the updates to like the PS5 firmware where you can finally turn off that that beep that's been on <laughs> for like, what, 17 years. Uh, you got Nintendo Switch 2 news from VGC, all of it being confirmed uh, by Eurogamer. Yeah. Uh, no backwards compatibility information yet. Uh, but there, there's been word that third-party companies are worried that that could cannibalize sales, which is kind of bogus, especially because PS5 hit 40 million units just within the last week or so, and that pretty much is like 99% compatible with PS4 games. Mm -hmm. And then uh, finally, of course, is uh, estimated release the second half of next year. It's not going to have an OLED screen like the OLED version of the Switch, which is interesting. And it's going to have physical games. So that's also interesting that we're still not reaching the end of the physical era, but maybe Nintendo is going to be the last, last holdout. Uh, I, I think I'd love to do a topic on our podcast here uh, about the, what we could see as the, the new Nintendo switch. And I'd probably call on uh, Simbu, your, your expertise on this as well, because while uh, I feel like you have a, an excellent critical eye on on a lot of stuff, and your your eye on that would be really great, um, I feel I feel like I'm the stern parent when it comes to Nintendo stuff. Where like I'm a big Nintendo fan, but one if they screw up even a little bit, I hold them to that, and that I, I'm thinking because of that in a way I'm biased. Whereas Simbu, with your background of both being Moving from Nintendo stuff, moving to Xbox, moving to Sony, moving to—I I think that'd uh, fit really well. But we'll 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 get to that probably down the road. So, um, yeah, I think beyond that, uh, there's been Smash sequel talks, but just that the main guy wants to talk about uh, Masahiro Sakurai. He wants to do another one. Um, if you, that's probably what at least a year to three years away. Uh, it'd be a nightmare to see if they tried to license all those characters again from Ultimate. But anyway, fun stuff with news. A lot, a lot of good stuff. Good to throw you guys a little bit for a loop rather than from the games playing. Uh, maybe we'll do that next week. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, but again, uh, going focusing on today's topic, which is, of course, uh, the childhood games that we've played. And as mentioned before, these are the games where you played them as a kid and it just filled you with that sense of wonder. And if you, if you have managed to go back to it as an adult, you, you get that feeling of nostalgia. Maybe it even puts you back into that sort of mentality of where you were as a kid. And uh, w one example of this, and I, I was working on a top 10 Castlevania video uh one of the games, of course, is the original NES Castlevania, and always brings me back to what my dad calls hot, it calls it a hot summer game because we were little kids, like I was four, my brothers were six and eight, and we would go swimming in the apartment pool and then come back into the the apartment and play NES games, and so it was just something that kind of playing it as an adult sort of kind of puts me back in that in that place, um, and I'm going to actually start. Uh, I start with Jamie Owls because this was actually your topic and it was a really good one for us to, to discuss and really a, a great topic for summertime overall, because really this is kind of the time where, you know, you're either out and about and enjoying stuff outdoors, or maybe you're like me and a little bit, a little bit of that and a little bit of indoors and enjoying that air conditioning. 
Jamie Owls, what games are are do you mostly associate with your childhood that uh, kind of fit the the bill here, as it were? Oh, I do have a few, and I think I might need to narrow it down. But the first, I have two actually that come to mind right away, and they are Spire the Dragon and Tomb Raider. Um, Tomb Raider, I received for, um, I believe it was Christmas when I first got the uh, PlayStation 1. So the two games I got for that was Tomb Raider and then Crash. But Tomb Raider, I love so much. And I remember just playing that to the death. And then that summer, because I got the PlayStation 1 in 1998, I was 11. And then that summer, Spiral Dragon came out and I was in Best Buy. And I, you know, asked my dad, can we, can I get this? And he bought it for me. And then that was another game I played the death with. Um, those are the two most games that I have so much fun with. And of course, I bought the sequels to them and... That was a game that I would just play like every day after school on the weekends and I just never got sick of it. And to this day, especially with the remaster of Spiral, I just playing it again, like, of course, the graphics were, you know, updated and a lot cooler looking. But just playing that, it just brought me back to how I felt my preteen years and where I was playing that game so it just brought like a lot of good memories and you know whenever I feel I need that little bit of dose of nostalgia I'll pull out those games and start playing them again yeah because it's funny I think I've seen you return to Spyro uh, (laughs) it seems like maybe once a year yeah at least and I already have a hankering to playing it again but I have (laughs) like a backlog of games that I still need to play that are new so we'll see yeah it's the the backlog it's such a first world problem but it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is very real nonetheless yes i mean (laughs) uh, really it's there there's a lot of feelings and whatnot i mean i i made a a decent video about it but there there's that real thought that sometimes even guilt or pressure to try and work Mm -hmm. on it but yeah (laughs) uh astromedes I'm curious on your opinions as to what were your childhood games? Uh, some of the games uh, I played a lot, like basically the, it'd be NES era for me. Like the first we did, I was exposed to some video games before NES. I'm an old man. Um, but uh, uh games on the nes that i would play with my brother so the the first one that kind of comes to mind as far as fitting the bill of sort of just sense of wonder is the the original zelda just like still that like even though i have not like really kept up with nintendo games as a matter of fact i've not played uh any zelda really since zelda 2 which i also played a lot of actually uh we all at my house me my brother and my mom would actually all play some nintendo games i only had some games she played but zelda 2 and rc pro-am were among them um but so sticking with zelda what uh i think like for the time it was really impressive how open the game felt just the fact that you could go in all these directions, and everything. So really in terms of like sense of wonder, I think that was an early like, wow, like this is really like telling a story or something. And like, it feels so 
big and it's like those earlier games with like the simpler graphics i think like they almost inspire more sense of like wonder and imagination you know i feel like then kind of a newer game where everything's fully rendered so i wonder about that sometimes with like younger generation playing games whatever uh uh and then like just i think like the music too i want to say it's probably like the original zelda where like i really started to appreciate i guess there's other games too in this era that i really appreciated the music from but zelda is obviously you know like a standout for how kind of impressive the music was and just using that incredibly limited hardware like perfectly <laughs> and there's you know there's the zelda story about the uh the fact they ran out of uh hard drive space or uh cartridge space uh for sounds they needed one more sound so they uh the programmer figured a way he could just run a essentially like a data file like a file that was for something else a chunk of memory like a chunk of code for something else through the audio interpreter and that was like ah. the weird sound for that monster <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, cheated that but anyway yeah so sense of Zelda, uh sense of wonder was like really big with the original zelda game and then uh i'd say like the double dragon one and two we played a ton of in my house too i think weirdly i don't think we ever owned two but it was one of those games we rented like way too many times to the point where we may as well <laughs> have owned it uh but and i think like those games were uh i think it's kind of what made me like hard games almost because i think of those and like it was really like you hit points where you like could not proceed, but it was like a very like kind of limited move set and stuff in those games. So it was clear you kind of just had to, you know, get good. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of a early game where I was like motivated. And I think it was like the fact that it was so hard and also had this kind of like the first Double Dragon in particular has this like pretty like like big like sense of danger it feels a little rough almost compared to some other games with how kind of real and dangerous everything almost seems uh but uh yeah those those are the games that stick out but really like almost any i'd say in general it's like i look at what i try to do sometimes when i'm thinking about designing games and it's like i almost always settle on trying to do something that's like a multiplayer experience that I think evokes some of that uh, sense of uh, kind of early competition and stuff like in the Double Dragon games, you know, like being able to kill each other, <laughs> like things like that. And yeah, I don't know. So th those games in particular, I think, stick out in my mind. No, I say excellent choices, especially with the the original Zelda. My, my uh, piece of pointless trivia on that is that the title theme, a, a, as it is, was not what it was going to be. Uh, Koji Kondo, the the composer for both the Mario and the Zelda series, they were going to use a, a version of it was not Ride of the Valkyries, but something similar. But they ran into a last minute copyright issue or something like that they found out that the the song itself was within the last year of copyright so then they ended uh, i think it was the william tell overture or something but they ended up koji kondo like 12 hours before the game was going to be sent sent to the publishers came up with the title theme that you hear in zelda one and that and ended up of course being the I iconic theme and that's probably why it sounds a little similar similar to the overworld theme because it's a, of course a variation of that but it's funny how some something so iconic was something that was done like literally uh, probably uh, overnight you like a overnighter just to get kind of get that done yeah, i hadn't heard that one 
Um, and you mentioned the the sense of wonder and kind of the fear of what the younger generation is going to have. And to me, there is a there is a fear of uh, sort of game preservation about keeping a lot of the the online only games and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm for like the single player experiences a good correlative to this generation. Uh, versus like what we grew up with with Zelda one would probably be Breath of the Wild. I mean, the designers of Breath of the Wild uh, ended up making a a demo of the first Zelda game, like literally the system. That and that's what Breath of the Wild was was this demo that was like an overall two D Zelda game, even up, huh. up to and including Link in a blue tunic because that's the 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 blue champion's tunic. Uh, so that the the rest of the creators could understand what what sort of feeling and concept that they uh, could could have or sort of sort of marry in there. Um, based on that, they were able to sort of recapture that se- that sense of wonder and exploration in Breath of the Wild. Um, and and I, I, they really used the first Zeldas to to help to capture that. Um, I, I think I have more questions f- to you about the the game music aspect or part of it but uh i I think i've talked enough responded enough to to you there so i'm gonna move this um storm uh, i'm curious as to what games that you had uh the most uh sense of wonder as 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 a kid slash have that nostalgia playing games as as an adult okay the first um about bit about Zelda. What I remember about the original Zelda when we first got our original Nintendo system, it was my brother's. And mm. I got to play Zelda for a moment until um, I saved over his save. So, you know, Oops. that was my <laughs> my one and only little time with Zelda. But oh then my gosh. we had Atari and playing Pac-Man on Atari. Mm. That has been it. Like I absolutely love Pac-Man, as you know. Um, so one of my favorite memories of any video game system is when we got the Sega Genesis in the early 90s. Um, and when it came out, it was a cheaper system. So that's what we could afford. I know Super Nintendo was out about the same time, but Genesis won for us. However, they had Mrs. Pac-Man. And my mom and I would trade off on who would play because you could play two-player but it was, you know, who would get further. It wasn't a like joint thing. So I just remember playing back and forth with her on that game. And uh, Pac-Man, Mrs. Pac-Man then, of course, was 99 levels. And I got to beat all of them and beat that silly game. So, yeah, that one. And I would also have to mention, for the fun of it, on the Commodore 64, California games. Ah, uh, hmm. Yeah, I remember. The, that, wasn't that also on the NES? I think I played that too. <laughs> they yeah. might have, like, yeah. put it out on console later. It wasn't the same. Yeah, Jamie Owls uh, had told me she's she used to play it with uh, with her family. If I if I remember right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry to so interrupt. Much. Go on. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It was so much fun. So, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. That be, be- is about it. Beating Miss Pac-Man, it, it, I, I think I, we I, we talked about this on a previous podcast, but that that is no easy feat. Uh, no. <laughs> my, my my bit of pointless knowledge on, on that is that same version of Miss Pac-Man that released, I think, in 1990 or 91 for Sega Genesis, 
got ported to the Super Nintendo like six years later. I don't know. So like in 96 or 97, when the Nintendo 64 was already released, hey, here's Miss Pac-Man for the Super Nintendo. (laughs) Played exactly the same as the Sega Genesis version. Oh, I think there was a little bit of difference in screen differential um, and maybe a little bit of sound standard uh, Sega Genesis versus SNES stuff. But yeah, that's... Well, it, it it's a definitely a a good game, absolutely. Um, Simbu, you're 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 my next target. We're 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 targeting, and I know it's been a while since <laughs> you're already a level five grandpa, so it's been been some years. Uh, what, what, what games did you enjoy as a child? Was it you know marbles? We had to get the knock the marbles <laughs> out of the circle. No, we played jacks. All right. No, da- hey, jacks were for girls. Jacks were for girls. So we played jacks, tiddlywinks, and we hit each other with sticks. All right. <laughs> so, so you're doing girls' games by doing jacks. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I guess I will show my age. Um, one of my first uh, video game experiences was actually the Oregon Trail. <laughs> uh, because I the, about that. the yeah. grade school I went to um, in the extended care room and people who may or may not know of what that is, is you know about an hour or so before school up to a couple hours after school you know you would stay at school and the teachers would kind of babysit you because mom and dad might be working um, so I would, and of course the, the NES systems were always, you know, taken up. So what was, what was available? The old computers sitting there and guess what game they had? The Oregon Trail. Um, (laughs) That was my first experience with video gaming. Of course, my, my dad had a VIC-20. For those of you guys who don't know what that is, it's a keyboard that hooks up to your TV. You can type on it and it kind of has, you know, a cheap, cheesy version of Space Invaders called Gorf. It has Pong, uh, things like that. Um, But moving on, uh, NES, let's go with Contra. Um, Let's go with Mega Man. Contra and Mega Man um, always was fun hanging out with, uh, you know, end up hanging out like when hang out with Jason the 13th and as when we were younger and we would Mm -hmm. play Contra, we would play Mega Man, we would play Micro... Micro Machines. Yes. <laughs> um, which, man, Micro Machines uh, for the time was amazing because it's a ra- it was a racing game. Then you're racing on the kitchen counter. You're racing on a pool table. You're racing in like a, you know, like a bathroom or like a bathtub. So it was, it was, you know, you want sense of wonder, you know, instead of looking at you know, oh, here's the F1, you know, F10 track, or, you know, here's cruising California track, you know, you're racing on basically essentially roads. Now you're playing micro machines and you're racing up and down pool cues and around pool balls and things like that on a pool table. Um, And then of course we go to Sega, Sega. um, No, not Lion King or Aladdin. God, those games frustrated the crap out of me. Hmm. but we're going to, I'm going to go with, uh, I lost it. Wow. I'm getting old. I'm going with Streets of Rage. Oh, yes. 
Can't go wrong with uh, wait. Which Streets of Rage? One, two, or three? <laughs> the original. The the first one. Interesting. <laughs> of course, they they were all fun. I, I enjoyed all the Streets of Rages, but again, when you're talking nostalgia, when you're talking about you know fond memories, it was Genesis and for the age of the time I was being able to play streets of rage because I didn't get to play mortal Kombat or anything like that. Cause it was too violent uh, for my parents. You know, they allowed me to have streets of rage. Um, so yeah. I, uh, speaking of remembering those games of the Genesis era, you suddenly reminded me of uh, misplaced nostalgia I have for the game pit fighter. Cause yeah, I could even oh. kind of tell it was bad then but I liked it then because I could play it <laughs> and I've watched videos since and just really laughed at how obviously terrible it looks. And remember it was actually bad, but it was big dudes hitting each other. But, My- but also the, the Genesis version was better than the SNES one. Like the, the Genesis actually was a somewhat tolerable, palpable, like game experience. The, the super Nintendo one was just a trash heap. <laughs> It's funny how you mentioned about um, parents not letting you play a game that's too violent. My parents bought the first Mortal Kombat for me and my brother to play, and then they had no problem with us playing and fighting each other. And then the fatality where, um, what you would call it, where you do the fatality, uh, Sub Zero grabs the head and pulls it out of the body. <laughs> All big line. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I, I played Mortal Kombat with my mom. My parents were similarly. They were the opposite. They didn't care. I watched horror movies, read Stephen yeah. King books. My mom, there wasn't uh, an issue there. It's funny, too, because like uh, my my mother had a really big issue with action figures with like He-Man and G.I. Joe's and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I roll. whatever games, whatever video games, whatever Super Nintendo games, <laughs> right. up Storm, sorry, what was that? I said I roll just because. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like we ended up picking up Mortal Kombat 2 on Mortal Monday and uh, for the Super Nintendo with all the blood and the gore and all that stuff. And oh, yeah. So you I mean, can't oh. play with a doll, but you can play <laughs> a person in a game. Okay. Yep. No, I'm pretty sure she was just more concerned that Inferno Fox would start running around in a uh, felted loincloth, and that's all he would want to wear <laughs> if he had the E-Man action figure. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe she was aware of the borderline homoeroticism that comes to, to terms with like, the E-Man. And, and the she was, oh. Maybe she's protecting you from unrealistic body image expectations. <laughs> that, that must be it. I mean, you guys have seen me in the real life. That, that That's a problem. Yeah, and just so you know, in real life, he does run around in felted loincloths, and it's we've asked him. Simbu, I told you not to say anything. <laughs> you should have should have seen him on his wedding day. You know, level five. Uh, I'm surprised your memory is that sharp. <laughs> well, let me guess. Storm on his wedding day was a rip away tux and the felted loincloth underneath. Yep, Jamie told me all about it. Yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> No, but there was there was a, a Final Fantasy victory theme uh, that did happen. Jason, we're, we're, we're going to get get to you, so so that we can kind of get past the the loincloth underwear that I don't have. I don't have that for wink, now. Wink. 
for now. <laughs> oh, for now. <laughs> for now. I'm lending it out. No. <laughs> I hope now. it gets dry cleaned. <laughs> uh, Simbu, hand wash. Hand wash. <laughs> no shrinking. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Jason the 13th. That's yeah. not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. So so what what sort of childhood games were your your uh yours and your brothers various uh sort of sense of wonder slash nostalgia? And I probably already know like 90% of them, but yeah, to well, our so viewing we'll, audience. We'll, we'll, We'll cover that one real fast because we'll, we'll skip over the uh, big ones like Mario, Mega Man, Zelda. We'll skip over all of those. Simbu did touch on one that made me think of a slight category of games that was actually really fun. And speaking of newer games, I don't know of too many that can say this. That Micro Machines game, along with G.I. Joe, Monsters in My Pocket, it was fun to play those games and have the figures and the toys at the same time so you'd play the games and then when you have the toys you'd be kind of playing the games with the toys is almost like a toys to life but not like without the connection right um i guess skylanders disney infinity kind of did the same thing where you had toys along with it but it was kind of different because you had you were collecting G.I. Joe's and micro machines and stuff like that. And then you had the video game to play. So then you could act out like the video game with your own figures and stuff. So that would be, uh, like I said, a small little niche of games because not every game, of course, had action figures or toys to go along with it. Like, I don't even think Mario had toys back then for Mario games. It was just the game system, like the the actual game. I don't remember like toys. Like nowadays, you can go to a store and you can get Mario toys and play like that. But back then, you didn't have that for Mario or Contra or Zelda. But yep. So pretty much all the normal ones. And of course, that's all NES. I mean, we had an Atari ourselves, but NES was the first big system that we had and then of course depending on which system you're talking about there's different games and like sega they had i collected comic books so sega my i never owned a sega back then i still don't have an original sega but one of my favorite games to play was that comic zone one where you're the character going through the comics and jumping or punching through the different borders between the panels to get from panel to panel that was one of my favorite sega games i never played that when i was younger but like (laughs) in my 20s like exploring a lot of console games i'd never touched i was like wow this game is surprisingly good the animation is really slick everything felt really good actually like yeah and, mm-hmm. and it's it's fairly unique, especially with the way with what like he like Jason said, Definitely. you know, with the fact that you're punching through the walls or when like you go down, it's not just, oh, here's a, a sewer grate that you drop through like in the Turtles game. <laughs> no, he, it's he like, oh, no, he jumps to over yeah. like outside the book and goes back in. Yeah, they, like, they made it feel like a, a thing that you were in the comic and not and just yes, like window dressing. You can take. Do you want to go yeah, to the bottom? They made that be the map, the basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. That but, was my f- favorite Sega game, I think. And, and, and like if the, I remember correctly, 
around that time, uh, Goosebumps' Choose Your Own Adventures were getting really big. So that game kind of capitalized on the whole Choose Your Own Adventure. Which way do you want to go? Yeah. yeah. And there was so a I really think even before then, there were lots of Choose Your Own Adventures coming out. Though, like you said, I mean, Goosebumps may have been a bigger blip on the map from like uh, just popularity. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's so funny because that that's the writing in, in comics, comics zone is fantastic too. I, I think that that's gonna be one of my next uh games I'm gonna do on my uh Nintendo fanboy review Sega Genesis games because that that that's a classic. It is a good one. But yeah, <sighs> I like the game. I I love, just like those kind of games where you had physical media with the game back then to where as you played the game, you also had the physical toys to play with. So Things like that. Like I said, small niche, but hell, I think Monsters in My Pocket might have been one of the one of the first games I ever actually beat all the way through on my own. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because those three that you mentioned, Micro Machines, Monster in My Pocket, and G.I. Joe for the NES, yeah. mm-hmm. they're great games. Like Yes, the, they are. Out of those three, I would say G.I. Joe is probably the, the, the best. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I played that for the first time like a few years ago, and I'm like, why the heck is this so good? It was a very good game. It's it's really weird, um, but I, I think for me, I, I mentioned briefly for the Castlevania thing, but like for me, probably Super Mario One, where we got yeah. we got our NES uh, for one of our uncle's birthdays in May of '87, and yes, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> I, I know that game like the back of my hand now, but I remember seeing my older brothers playing it and getting to one four within like an hour which being uh, three, five, and eight is pretty good. Um, and then um, it's funny too. Like I, I remember g- going back to that, especially when that Super Mario 35 came out for the Nintendo Switch. And like, th- it was a fun d- diversion because you're essentially playing the first Mario with 34 other people um, and it, uh, having it like it be a competitive thing. Yeah, so it was, it was, was cool. very fun. It was it was really cool, but I man, I got really sick of one one. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, and probably maybe a little bit older, uh, probably Final Fantasy three for the SNES. Uh, I think it was like eleven at the time, and uh I really got into the second Final Fantasy, and I think I was like eight or something when that eight or nine when that came out. And I, you know, how much can you understand a, a story with uh being an, a, like an eight-year-old but mm-hmm. thankfully the the games translated was translated by individuals who had english as a second language okay this of course final fantasy 2 um but with final fantasy 3 with the graphics being awesome and me being able to kind of understand storylines you know a little bit more and just it, it, obviously that still remains uh to this day as my my number one game of all time um Simbu, you touched upon something I kind of want to give a little bit of attention to. I'd love to give attention to Sega because I'm kind of in a Sega mood right now. I'm working on a video uh, kind of summarizing my thoughts on the Sega Genesis overall. Uh, but uh, Simbu, you, you talked about something uh, and that'd be Oregon Trail. We've got six people here. Which of us six is going to die of dysentery? Is that going to be me because of my, my leopard skin? underwear you know i'm I'm not keeping warm who who's dying of dysentery dysentery who's gonna die of of typhoid fever 
Um, or, or just gonna well, get bit by with a how snake. red with, with how red uh, Jason the Thirteenth is looks right now. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's got the typhoid fever already. <laughs> um, he's gone. Jamie Owls and Storm they they kind of just floated away with the uh, with the um, they wagon the river? down the river, fording the <laughs> hey. river because you uh. know we can't even see them any. We can't really see them right now. Um, Astromedes probably got you know bit by a snake or something because you know game to game dev he spends a lot of time you know game dev and I was probably messing with something I shouldn't have been messing with. <laughs> yeah, he he was trying to program the snake to be his friend. You know, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I would have to say Inferno Fox, you you, you got the dysentery. Yeah. I, I, I figured you tried to ride, you tried to ride the animals, you know, like it was some final fantasy, you know, wild west final fantasy crossover. And you, no, see, yeah. see that that's, that's legend of Zelda. That's like breath of the wild where I, I, you can actually ride the bears. I tried to ride the bear in the hunting part, but yeah, that, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's funny too. Cause I remember playing that and other stuff like math blasters, in school number munchers do you remember? number munchers that's there's it. number munchers. I l- there is an there emulator of number munchers online that i will honestly play every now and then because you know that is what i remember from the 80s as soon as you mentioned yeah. Oregon trail it's like oh crap. i know i forgot about the two those uh that awesome apple IIe uh yes. <laughs> system and monitor that was really ubiquitous in the education system because of some sick marketing move from apple Yes. It's funny too, because like yeah, I I think you can buy and download uh Oregon Trail for the Switch. So Storm, if you're so well so inclined. Um yeah, I think it took them until maybe like the 90s to start realizing, like, oh, we can now pump out nostalgia money with this license. I bet there have been like a hundred different software companies that have released maybe 12 Oregon Trail games. (laughs) Hey, I've played the the card game of Oregon Trail. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I was going to say uh, real quickly, if we want to uh, talk nostalgia, I'm sure most of us, when we were in high school, had a certain calculator. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. let's 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 give the TI-89 its credit. As a calculator. I had a TI-85 or a TI-81, I think, were the two common ones, I want to say. 85 gonna, is definitely a number in my head. I'm going to mention that on the TI-89, they did port Doom to it. Do, I know. I, I've it. seen videos of it. I, yeah, I didn't play, see it at the time, but uh, they had a they had a knockoff original Mario Game Boy original game Mario Game Boy on the TI eighty nine as well. Plus, you had like D and D style text adventures, yes. um, which were a lot of fun, you know. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it just it go, like that that goes to show ingenuity as well. I guess like technically the first to... game I made, the first video game I made was on a TI calculator. I made a horrible Frogger game where it was like an asterisk and two uh, <laughs> that you were and tried to move. And, you know, it was an awesome, bizarre. You know, I think I actually, pl- I movement. think I honestly played that. <laughs> it, I don't think I it was ever released anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> or something, know. something similar to that. I'm sure other people made probably way better than mine versions of, frogger <laughs> on those calculators 
man that 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 takes me back because like we had just to remind our listeners and viewers we're we're old this is the days before (laughs) you know speak for yourself man the 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 (laughs) smartphones you know they they didn't have these we all of us graduated high school anywhere from about uh two for some of us to 10 years before these became prevalent so just want to make that clear we may do we may do i mean when we didn't have oregon trail or the ti 85 89 calculators you know we also had paper football and 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 what have you but but we can't talk about that paper football that that, that, that's not a video game so we're gonna we're gonna have to move on (laughs) don't forget sorry don't forget during the time when we did not have YouTube or Google to where you could look up and see where you go in the video game, you have to rely on the number and the pamphlet and the video game booklets to find oh, out God. where to go next. Yeah, me and my brother oh. tried to play Simon's uh, Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest. <laughs> Spoiler free. You know how we got information at our like weekly Cub Scout meetings? Me, my brother, and some of the other kids that were playing yep. the game would like share notes. <laughs> that, that is such, as I mentioned, I'm doing my top 10 Castlevania thing. That is such a freaking obtuse game. Like if you don't know what you're like, looking it at it now, it's like, it's bad. All the like yeah. mood and ambiance is great like the game decisions about how to proceed in the game are awful <laughs> yeah and it's it, it, it's like the, it also doesn't help that the villagers straight up freaking lie to you like the first one <laughs> that's the, the first worst. one where you start in this town it says don't trust anything don't buy anything from the peddler in town but you need to freaking buy two things <laughs> from that town you have to to proceed if you don't you're not going to go anywhere I wonder if that was an example just trying to set the mood. Oh, it's a dangerous place. The townspeople say, don't trust anyone. Like, and instead it comes across like, oh, you told me the wrong thing. <laughs> or, or was it something like uh, uh, an example of really poor English translation? The translation, the, yeah. Th- that game also has a ton of that. You now <laughs> process Dracula's rib as opposed to possess. <laughs> oh, their base are belong funny. to us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> not, not, not as bad as that. Pylons. <laughs> uh Astro Media, it's funny you bring up Cub Scouts. Uh Cub Scouts was the the game for us in Cub Scouts slash Boy Scouts was Ocarina of Time. Uh yeah. <laughs> we Very would compare nice. notes every week uh, on Ocarina of Time, and that was the only way I beat that stupid water temple. <laughs> oh, the water temple. I think we I think we had a discussion about that last week or the week before. I'm sure we've brought it up a few times. <laughs> Just like the accursed uh, printed underwear, I think we need need to not mention the water temple again. Man. Uh, you mean your... Oh, your loincloth cloth? got at least a couple more mentions before we're, we're done with it. No. <laughs> See, I totally, for, I, I, I totally it to forgot. Himself at this point. Uh, I've I've lived a childhood of repression. I've I've already I've learned to repress stuff so well that I you know. Just, <laughs> see what happens when I don't have those action figures. You know, uh-huh. if I had them, I maybe I'd remember more stuff. Colonel Fox played with dolls. <laughs> oh, well, um, sorry, what brought- Jamie else what was that? So what's stopping you now? <laughs> nothing. Uh-huh. Nothing is stopping me now. That's right. And yet you still haven't gotten them, apparently. Uh, I yeah, wish they, I still had some of those. Like when they were brand new, um, He Man just came out 
oh, my brother and I had a bit of an age difference in between us. Like he was, he was eight years older. Yes. And um, my mom and dad would just buy us both like He-Man figures so we wouldn't argue over them because mm. I was little. I wanted the toys my brother had. But eventually he became Barbie's boyfriend, like uh, Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that was Barbie's bodyguard. <laughs> so, oh. and I, I stole the G.I. Joes. And they became his kids. So, you know, Barbie had these little military <laughs> men. It was great. Anyway, there you go. Oh, man. That's too funny. I think it's a lot of the the stuff that really helps to have us come back and and try them again. You know what I'm really curious about? Have you guys gone back to a game that you you liked it as a kid, but when you go went back to it as an adult, were you like this is hot garbage? Is there any game that <laughs> I'll let yes, and and don't make y'all mad. The original Zelda. Compared to the newer Zelda, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> hot, hot take city. I have gone back to that. And don't have that reaction, but nope. I respect your bravery in voicing it. <laughs> I, I just want to uh, see your reactions. It's funny. No, the I uh, Castlevania too. <laughs> I mentioned it because that's how I realized this. And getting an emulation at some point, I was like, oh, I remember I really liked you know Castlevania too. I was like what the hell like <laughs> no wonder oh that's why we were always talking about this game because we needed to to get anywhere speaking like of emulation oh. uh uh have you tried the updated version of uh, the updated version of uh castlevania 2 somebody went and actually updated changed the text changed the gameplay actually made <laughs> it like be what it should be i forget what it, maybe it's castlevania 2 ultimate or something huh. they, they updated everything with it to make it a palatable play no i wasn't aware about uh jamie Owls, did we interrupt you yeah I'm, I, I'm sorry about that no i was just gonna say i might get a lot of hate for this but it's the um 007 golden eye yeah. <laughs> I tried playing it and especially i was playing on the switch so of course i'm not used to the controls on there but when i was playing it again when it first came out i was thinking to myself like why did i think that this was such a good looking game at the time but when i look at it now it's like their faces are like so weird and i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm putting a little caveat on jamie owl's statement because when she played it she the first time she played it again on the switch was against me and i threw her on the facility with remote minds <laughs> and I was odd job. So, so she, you cheated. She went back to it with a, a very, very biased viewpoint. That's thanks to yours truly. So uh, honestly, I me. think I would probably agree with her assessment if I were to play it again. I mean, admittedly, I'm generally just not a fan of first person shooters. Anyway, I did like golden eye a lot at the time and everything, but uh, I feel like I would immediately have that like kind of no thanks like reaction playing it. Like the graphics are gross. It's like 2D just holds up better time wise. Yes. Old stuff yes. that's 2D is always going to hold up better than old stuff that's 3D. Um, yeah, and uh, honestly, um, freaking Goldeneye almost said Goldfinger or Goldmember. Uh, <laughs> Goldeneye, that. 
well, even when I did the one player, it, it the controls were just like garbage uh, on the. They switch. were still yeah, like particularly in the first per and the the other thing like so the graphics alone are blah, but whatever I could get over that if that was the only thing. But I feel like more so like you know as already not the biggest fan of first person shooters, like lack of modern agreed upon design standards not even technology but just like like you mentioned controls a more kind of expected standard way of handling controls i mean these days all the consoles have sort kind of sort of the same controller so it's like a lot easier to have standardized kind of best practices for what you do things when usually there's two sticks usually there's some face buttons over here maybe there's some face buttons like and it's like driving games almost always do this this stick accelerates this one blah 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 and first person shooter games this is move this is aim like all those things you know were still not really agreed upon then so i'm sure playing it would be like oh god this does oh this takes this long to move it 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 took a a game that released about three to four years after goldeneye a little uh what was that uh halo perfect uh oh you're talking about halo okay (laughs) yeah yeah It, it took halo to really you know say this is how you're gonna handle this is how you're gonna do a first person shooter you're gonna what you're gonna do is you got the xbox controller and this this is gonna be your camera this is gonna be how you're gonna move and everything like that and it was really halo that 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 um i think really put the fps is where they're at even to this day yeah there's been changes and whatnot in the race but not not as much as what what halo did uh speaking of well of halo one uh, thing simple on one thing one thing you got to uh remember though too at the time goldeneye came out pretty much mo- all your fps's such as like Doom and things like that, were on the PC. I was gonna, I was thinking yep. the same thing basically. It's like a lot of what was not agreed upon, particularly, was how the heck do we do this on a controller? And, and th- <laughs> right. there are versions of it, like the SNES version of Doom which kind of was is a miracle in of itself it the port i mean if you try it now it's or or a nightmare uh, yeah. <laughs> depending yeah but i mean it was it really was fantastic they were even able to pull that off but simbu you make a fantastic point it was it was goldeneye that made that like okay you can you can really have that be be a reality um but i and, I, and i'm sorry simba i actually I also wanted to ask you what were what what is your game that you try now you, you thought it was good as a kid but you try now and it's like this this is this isn't good honestly there's a 90 percent of the time i i tend not to really reach back into nostalgia um for the fact that you know i'm, I'm not gonna get too personal 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 here but um let's just say those those years in that time was not the best for me um and things like that so while going back to nostalgia is great but at the same time it brings up a lot of open wounds you know or deep deeply cut deep cuts and things like that that you know stay there so i like to let it stay let that stuff stay where it was but a game that i will say that i played because i also had an atari um that i played and that i thought was trash then and i still think is trash to this day uh which is probably like the number one on everybody's worst games list et phone home 
because yeah, yeah. you move bad. 10 it, feet it, and you fall in a hole and you can't do anything. Is I, I actually read an article where some uh, like modern programmer, I assume through like an emulated ripped copy of the game, whatever, modified the game to fix some of the worst problems with ET. The main one being the fact that you can fall in a pit when you're over a part that doesn't look like you're in the pit. He literally like found the code. He's like, this is why it does this. Let's adjust it to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, look, yeah, you ET, move two screens. slightly more playable. <laughs> like I, you move two screens and then you have two fall in a pit like i spent god knows how many hours trying to jump trying yep. to you know go forward <laughs> go back go forward go back you know tried the konami code because you know nes was a thing when i had an atari you know with the joystick and that didn't work very well but it just uh, you, <laughs> never it, it always hit the damn uh hole it's it's interesting because from what I've read about that, the developers for that only had like four to six weeks to make that game. It just yep. Uh, I saw that yeah. on a documentary about yes. video games, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of them that ended up in a landfill. But it was yep. a time crunch yeah. because the movie was coming out; they were pressing. It was a big like advertisement thing, and blah 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 blah. So like, and, and the game gone. suffered because of that. They're, they're gone from the landfill. They've all been dug up now. Yep. Or have they? Yeah, oh, somebody's yeah. got them now. Oh God, he's probably gonna sell them for like ten thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> well, 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 that's it. That's if he, he, you. They get them water graded because you know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you never know. He could have. This person could have brought bought a private island and made themselves a house on it of the of them. Out you of know, them. <laughs> billions or millions of copies of that game that we've probably got. <laughs> now, now, hang on. These are Atari cartridges, not Nokia phones. If they were Nokia phones, <laughs> <laughs> nothing's taking that house down. Well, I didn't say it was going to be a good house. All right, well, that's true. <laughs> be a bad house made a house. of a bad game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I admit. Uh, um, Jason, how about you? What about uh, ba- a good game from childhood that you realize is a bad game now? Okay, so graphics are a big part of this because as things get just example, because the game is still great. Mario 64, I hate the way it looks nowadays. <laughs> game is great, but Games that I loved when I was young and hate now, we used to be big in wrestling. We'd watch wrestling all the time. We had a bunch bunch of the wrestling games. They were so fun to play when I was young. Try to play any of them now. They are horribly bad. They are slow. They are just aggravating now. One exception to that is WWF. WWF No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. The only reason I say that, the only reason I say that is for my top 10 Nintendo 64 games uh, video, I decided to replay that. And it was actually very replayable, even on emulation using uh, a a controller like this. Like it was still a ton of fun. I got, I played as The Rock, got my butt kicked by Stone Cold (laughs) Steve Austin and Kurt Angle, but it was. Like it, it holds up. And I think that AEW fight night game that just released earlier this year is supposedly based on that, but Ooh, interesting. Um, I'm excited for the uh, Russell quest game. That's coming out next Tuesday. That's essentially, okay, let, let's make a character and 
have summons and you gain experience points, except the summons are uh, Randy, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage and Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan and uh, all this <laughs> oh crazy stuff like that. I, I think I remember fun. hearing some announcement about this what, game what a while ago. What was the name ago. of this game again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, WrestleQuest. It's coming out for uh, all major consoles next Tuesday. I'm, I'm oh curious God, enough, I might want to try this. One of my favorite YouTubers, uh, David Inc., uh, he just specializes in, in RPGs. He, ac- he actually got to play it, and he said it's really good, which is, I'm like this, because he's like he likes Dragon Quest games and some Final Fantasies, and that that is an adorable cat, by the way, Astromedia. <laughs> um, he's, he's playing he, it up for the camera. He was he actually said it was a really good game, so I, I'm probably gonna try and pick that up and and play that. So I, I will say that the WWF No Mercy on the N64 was a landmark game for wrestling, and it it doesn't matter how many generations of wrestling games or years of wrestling games came before after it a lot of a lot of just gameplay mechanics and things like that uh, and not to mention character customization options uh like i said the wwf no mercy on the n64 was a landmark wrestling game for the genre I remember playing the living heck out of that game. Um, Jamie Ellis, uh, we'll kind of end, end the, this discussion with you. What about what games did you like as a kid that you tried now that you were like, Ugh. um, the one that I can think of, probably The Lion King. The, <laughs> I mean, I loved that game as a kid. I used to play it all the time. I was so good at it. But when I played now as an adult, I kept dying. And I don't know if it was because of me or was it just, it's been years playing it. I don't know. But when I play it now, it's like, eh, whatever. No, it's, I, I, I definitely understand your, your pain on that. I think those games had a lot of charm because for the time they looked yes. really impressive. So it kind mm-hmm. of forgave a lot of sins in terms of uh, the <laughs> gameplay. Yes. Now the other question or the, the big question that, uh, might bake all your noodles is did the game are the games harder because of limited tech or are they harder because of the fact that you have been spoiled with new with uh new style game mechanics and and i think we kind of touched upon this a little bit in our uh nes hard versus souls like hard uh sort of descriptor but you make a good point because Let's compare Mario games when on the NES versus the newest Mario game, Super Mario Odyssey, released six years ago, where they just throw out lives. Lives aren't a thing. And, and generally, lives and continuing are really not a thing now for, for video games. Uh, some still have it, but that, that's, that's a good question because I do know of, uh, kind of as we discussed at that uh, podcast, there are a ton of really difficult games even released nowadays that that kind of fit that nes hard type of uh parameter yeah i think one of the big differences now is generally it's like that difficulty it's like it's almost like signposted by like the game or the kind of game it is that you're like expecting it versus like back then you never knew if you were going to get you know some you know 
easy, lame game for babies, yeah. or if you're going to get something that was, you know, hard, but like incredibly hard, but if you get that first level, it's like a great game. It's like, there's no, you have no standard of expectation. And it's mm-hmm. like, we play it now and it's like, there's no signposting. There's none of that sense of just wonder at playing the thing when we probably were, we may have had more so as a kid, whatever. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think so, like the design differences. And I mean, to be fair, though, to kind of your point of what you're calling out about modern games, it's like, yeah, you could argue like modern games do spoil us in that regard. But I would say modern games, there's just as much interest in difficulty, e- even if there is much nicer kind of packaging around it and sort of making it as least like you want to bash your head against the wall in real life as possible after you, you know, do fail or whatever. True. But I, I mean, uh, just to, to speak about your, your signposting, I, you know, it, it, it seems that just in general, you know, like you look to back then and it was, Hey, the Lion King coming to Sega Genesis, come play all your favorite, you know, come play a Simba through all your favorite levels or all your favorite, you know, worlds from the, excuse me, from the movie versus now it's dark souls. It will eat your existence and break your controller. <laughs> dark souls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you could get into a game like goof troop for the SNES and not realize it's a top-down right. t- type of game that's actually really excellent and not hard, not easy, a good balance versus uh, like Lion King where you have to try and jump up the logs and you keep falling and you throw the controller into the wall and you scare the cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- th- it's really it- it's really hard to gauge that simbu's got a great point whereas like you you, you kind of know what you're getting into especially with a game like dark souls and and i mean just even within the title itself you're, you're probably going to realize that that's going to be a a tough game although i i will admit i've seen uh, a a frustrated face or two from jamie owls in some uh battles on cat quest so you know <laughs> them dogs are those mice? Are the little brown mice getting to you that bad? I mean, to her credit, there are some hard battles in that, and you would think a game like Cat Quest, where you're a little cat as a little knight running around, you know, fighting against evil cats, like there's some un- really unforgiving battles in that. Like it's, it's. Uh, I I would be willing to bet, though, knowing absolutely nothing out of this game uh, <laughs> about this game, I would be willing to bet those hard battles were probably designed in a modern way where it probably led up to them. I'm yes. guessing she's yes. a decent chunk of the way through the game now, right? Before these hard yeah. battles started happening. And that's that's definitely good development. Versus in like an old game, it could have just been like, first battle's easy, second battle. <laughs> yeah, you get clapped. <laughs> <laughs> that was something smacking into a wall is what I was attempting to demonstrate for no, he, both he our was viewing and listening the, the, audiences who have no idea what I'm doing. The, the, it's it's the battle toads third level you're on the speedster and boom that's, ah, <laughs> yeah that ah, the ah, classic ah, example ah, of hitting a wall yes, literally figuratively that. with game difficulty god oh so that's that's our general view kind of kind of wrap, wrapping up here uh really hitting us with the nostalgia the nostalgias feels and the wonder and the leopard printed underwear uh really a a good view 
in general kind of brings us back. And I, I, I think it's just sometimes it, it is good to, uh, you know, kind of look back at stuff that's fun because a lot of times for some of us, the, the games were kind of an escape from tough times. Uh, kind of alluding to what Simbu had, had mentioned, and I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely get aboard, get on board that train. And um, if, if anything else, I, I know during the tough times, I at least had video games, and and ha- having them as a kid, and looking back just on the games themselves, really helped to kind of uh, give me, give me that really kind of a good feeling, even when there were times where it wasn't wasn't so good. But I just want to take the time again to to thank everybody here for joining us here on uh, the Inferno cast. And of course, thank, thank you, the listeners and viewers uh, for, for hearing us. Uh, just a general remi- reminder, you can always catch us here on YouTube. Uh, we're going to be coming to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, upcoming this Saturday, I got a video coming out for uh, what a potential collaboration would look like between Nintendo and Arcade 1UP. It's kind of one of those uh, grail companies that you would never probably see happen in, in a million years. You've got all the other uh, arcade companies that work with Arcade 1UP. The only one that hasn't is, of course, Nintendo. But um, just want to, again, uh, thank everybody here. Jamie Owls, thank you so much for, for joining us. You, of course, is my partner in crime. Thank you, Jamie Owls, and an excellent suggestion on the topic here. Thank you. No problem. Simbu Darkfing, um, he is, of course, our level five grandpa, launderer of leopard print underwear, and you can catch him at Basement of the Dead in Aurora, Illinois. That, again, is Basement of the Dead at Aurora, Illinois. Simbu, thank you again so much for joining us. I, we really appreciate it. Hey, I see what you're trying to do there. You're not getting away with sticking sticking that one on me, all right? All right. D- well, I, Jason- appreciate comment- I appreciate you having me. Jason the 13th, uh, he, of course, is the launderer of all leopard printed underwear, and you can catch him at YouTube, uh, his YouTube channel for Jason the 13th for all Tears of the Kingdom, Fork Knife, and Pokemon gameplay. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem, and you'll never see me wearing a leopard print underwear. <laughs> okay, but he you always can still wears it under a skirt. You, you hey, can launder, no. you can clean mine, right? Right, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're paying me really good. Okay. So, Stormrow Sky, launderer of my leopard printed underwear, and you can catch Stormrow Sky at Twitch and YouTube at stormrowsky.com. She's got some really good content coming up on her YouTube channel. Storm, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. And um, first, I'm just going to say, I really don't think Zelda's the worst game. <laughs> whatever the original result i really don't walk you back yes <laughs> it wanted to it wanted to but you know we kept going i had the most trouble with sonic but like from the 90s to now replaying it that one i used to be good at it and now i'm just like whatever sonic <laughs> and, and tails just ticked me off so i don't mess around with it anymore but you are welcome and why do you need three people washing your underwear that's a well, little, well uh, Sim- simbu said no J- jason w- was gonna pay so i mean you're, you're up next how do you I think know. i feel i i want to know <laughs> that too and, and you gotta do it for free you poor thing you know, uh, hey I, I, that, that's why you didn't see me ask her that's why i went right <laughs> to simbu i skipped over skipped over jamie owls for that but you forgot all about your loincloth see see it's the loincloth not leopard printed underwear but now you got both so there you go 
Well, well they, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Astromedes, th thank you again for joining us. Astromedes, of course, is my launderer of my loincloth and lump of printed <laughs> underwear, and, as well as a developer of and a co-owner of Second Place Games. Astromedes, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, as always, for having me. All righty. Th and thank you, of course, to viewers. We pre appreciate you guys joining us and have a wonderful day.